Hear the Gospel of our Savior Christ according to St. Matthew, chapter 2, beginning at the first verse. Glory to you, Lord Jesus Christ. In the time of King Herod, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem asking, where is the child who has been born king of the Jews? For we observed his star at its rising and have come to pay him homage. When King Herod heard this, he was frightened and all Jerusalem with him. And calling together all of the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Messiah was to be born. They told him, in Bethlehem of Judea, for so it has been written by the prophet, and you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who is to shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod secretly called for the wise men and learned from them the exact time when the star had appeared. Then he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child, and when you have found him, bring me word, so that I may also go and pay him homage. When they had heard the king, they set out, and there ahead of them went the star that they had seen at its rising, until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw that the star had stopped, they were overwhelmed with joy. On entering the house, they saw the child with Mary his mother, and they knelt down and paid him homage. Then, opening their treasure chests. They offered him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And, having been warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they left for their own country by another road. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. St. John of the Ladder, or John Climacus, tells us of the Ladder of Divine Ascent, 
that pride and nothing else caused the angels to fall from heaven. And so, one may reasonably ask whether we may reach heaven by humility alone, without the help of any other virtue. Pride loses all the profits of hard work and sweat. They clamoured, but there was none to save them, because they clamoured with pride. They clamoured to God, and he paid no heed, since they were not really trying to root out the faults which they were praying, against which they were praying. An old man, very experienced in these matters, once spiritually admonished a proud brother who said in his blindness, Forgive me, Father, but I am not proud. My son, said the wise old man, what better proof of your pride could you have given than to claim that you were not proud? I'm afraid I'm not an expert on ecumenism. In fact, I've been let out very little. So I've spent most of my life inside seminaries and not even inflicted on regular Catholic laity, but only on <laughs> seminarians. So, <laughs> and uh, really, I think from my <clears throat> poor, poor experience that the biggest obstacle to Christian unity is not so much doctrine. Sure, doctrine is important. Sure, theological dialogues, I think, are very important. But the main obstacle to Christian unity is pride. <coughs> and really, the only person's pride we can control is our own. So it's all very well to think that somebody else is too proud that somebody else is clinging too much to their privileges, to their titles, to their, um, to their position, even to their dignity. But at the end of the day, I am the only one who has to answer for my pride. And that this is, this I think is the main obstacle to ecumenism. That when I think myself better than my brother or my sister. And that this is the great danger. The first reading was talking about this great light, this marvelous light. And obviously, Isaiah is assuming that he was going to follow it. But again, we have the invitation that through Christ, we have the fulfillment of the Old Testament. And through Christ, we have this light. But do we follow it? Or do we continue with the unfruitful works of darkness that St. Paul speaks about? And in this, we need not be afraid. Yesterday, in a sense, doesn't matter for us. What matters is today. And that anything that is exposed by the light becomes visible. For anything that becomes visible is light, St. Paul continues. And that this is our hope, 
when it comes to Christian unity, that we come before Christ. Again, Pope Francis, if you'll allow me to make reference to him, speaks a lot about accumulism of blood. That it's only when we bear witness to Christ, and sometimes the ultimate expression of this is through martyrdom, through the shedding of our blood, but also through the daily martyrdom, the daily witness that is there, that when we love Christ more than our very, more than our own very lives, then unity is possible. When we love one another, and that this is the invitation that Christ brings to us to come out of ourselves, to get down from our high horses, not to be proud, to see the other as superior to ourselves with the grace of Christ, by the grace of Christ, through the grace of Christ. Then there is hope for unity. Because it's not simply a matter of agreeing on some principles. It's not simply a matter of drawing some lines on a map or getting some sort of a treaty or deal or splitting up a difference. It's about loving the other fully, forgiving the other fully, placing the other first. And that this is our hope. Again, speaking from a Roman Catholic perspective, I pray that my church can be more humble as we go forward. I think everybody can agree that many of the current travails and problems of Roman Catholicism in Ireland are self-inflicted. That all too often the easy option was taken, all too often there was any chance to lord it over society, any chance to get one up on everybody else was availed of. And now many of these consequences are being paid. And the hope is that a more humble church will emerge from this, one that is more open, one that is better able to dialogue, one that is better able to listen, and one that especially is closer to Christ and is willing to follow him. Because the option we have if we don't go down the route of humility is loneliness, is aloneness. That if pride is the worst of the sins, it's fruit is aloneness. C.S. Lewis, in his great divorce, speaks about hell as not so much the devils and the pitchforks or the pools of sulfur or these things, but as a place where people are growing more distant from each other and where everybody is blaming everybody else. And this place that is joyless, friendless, and uncomfortable, 
where everybody is wrong and I'm the only one right. And this is a danger that we all have. I remember when I was a seminarian, we used to get up for morning prayer at six in the morning. And again, you're meant to get used to things like that. It never happened. <laughs> one of the days when we changed the clocks, then it was the, the Sunday morning, and we gained an hour. Then I had a classmate who kind of tended to think of himself as being right and everybody else wrong. And rather than putting his clock forward, back an hour, gaining an hour, he took an hour. So rather than coming to the church at six, he came down to the church at 4 a.m. There were 80 people in the, in the house at the time. And his immediate assumption was 79 of them got it wrong. I'm the savior. So he went and he got the bell, went through all the corners to wake everybody up, to make sure that the rector, that all the formators, that everybody joined him in the chapel. Again, we gave him hell afterwards, obviously. But that this is the danger that we all face. This is the biggest enemy that we have, more than any doctrinal difference, more than any, I don't know, any other problem. It's this tendency towards self-reliance, towards thinking ourselves right and the other wrong. And I suppose this is This is also the message of this gospel that we have heard. That the Magi are brought out on a journey. That again, I was tempted earlier because I was looking at Pope Francis' homily on January 6th of this year. I was tempted, I tempted just to take it all and just read it as it was. And it felt much better than anything I'd have said, but anyway. Um, but he's talking about these Magi. He says, brothers and sisters, as it was for the Magi, so it is for us. The journey of life and faith demands a deep desire and inner zeal. Sometimes we live in a spirit of a parking lot. We stay parked without the input of desire that carries us forward. We do well to ask, where are we on our journey of faith? Have we been stuck all too long? nestled inside a conventional, external, and formal religiosity that no longer warms our hearts and changes our lives? Do our words and liturgies ignite in people's hearts a desire to move towards God? Or are they a dead language that speaks only of itself and to itself? It is sad when a community of believers loses its desire and is content with maintenance rather than allowing itself to be startled by Jesus and by the explosion and unsettling joy of the gospel. It is sad when a priest has closed the door of desire so as to fall into clerical functionalism. Very sad. Continues in his homily again, recommended to you, but that this 
to see, am I moving or am I stuck? The wise men didn't have it easy. You know, we like to sing hymns and uh, think of the three wise men, or even three of them, but arriving and uh, bringing out their gifts, and not to see the difficulties of the journey. The times when they were totally lost, when they had to go to uh, a desolate like King Herod to ask his advice, that oftentimes it's uncomfortable to follow the Lord. It's much easier to go into the holding pattern, to go into the cruise control, to return to our own silos and say, I'm comfortable here. And yet the Lord invites us to go out. He invites us to move. He invites us to this desire that this is one of the important aspects of being truly person of faith. Do I desire God? Do I want to meet him? Do I open myself up to that possibility? Or is God just something that I can control? Is God just something that I can put in a box and use him when I need him, fix some small problems with him, as something that I can use to show how much better than I am than others? And no, called today to repentance, we are called today to openness, we are called today to go out, not to stay in ourselves, to go out towards the other, even if they belong to a different denomination, and finishing with the words of Pope Francis, let us set out on the path towards Christ. Let us not give apathy and resignation the power to drive us into a cheerless and banal existence. Let our restless hearts embrace the restlessness of the spirit. The world expects from believers a new burst of enthusiasm for the things of heaven. Like the Magi, let us lift up our eyes, listen to the desire lodged in our hearts, and follow the star that God makes shine above us. As restless seekers, let us remain open to God's surprises. Brothers and sisters, let us dream, let us seek, and let us adore.